and welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host, JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's Professional Wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. We hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, various other uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010's journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW. And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley Fletcher cast. Enjoy. Yes, All Japan Women Destiny here. It's another episode on the journey of covering the classics of All Japan Women. This episode is bringing us to the August 24th Budokan show. All Japan Women. Uh, 15,560 people here today. And uh, this classics episode will span about three episodes here, three parts, uh, for uh, reasons that uh, considered of topics uh, that uh, split up pretty well considering the main events. Uh, this one is going to be about, well, Chigusa Nagayo. She's back. She does like annual matches like this seemingly, but there is a much bigger reason, or reasons, why Nagayo is back in All Japan Women at this particular time. Uh, so this is classic episode 94. If you're keeping along and maybe you found this, uh, maybe you found all these videos on the wrestling, uh, not wrestling, internet archives. Uh, the Google Drive's gone, but um, hopefully you downloaded a bunch. You can get on a, 
uh, XW Torrents, and it's a it's a free download, so you can get all these classic episodes. Uh, this one is going to consist of three matches, but most of the time is going to be talking about what I'm going to do now rather than the matches itself. Uh, so the first reason Shigusa Nagayo, and a little recap for those that may have forgotten or joining uh, in, in the most recent of histories here. Shigusa Nagayo, biggest star in the 80s, uh, biggest woman star of all time, drawing power-wise. Uh, was forced into retirement because of the dumb rules that the Matsunagas had implemented because of a variety of reasons. Uh, I'm kind of of the mind these days that they were just uh, cheap scrubs that made were bad businessmen that made poor investments and thought they could just get away with making a new star, pay them pennies, and they can get the profits. Uh, that's my short version of it, but Chigusa Nagayo nonetheless... Uh, much like uh, quite a few of the biggest stars of the uh, late 70s and 80s decided, you know what, this retirement thing's dumb when I'm 26 years old. I'm coming back in wrestling. <laughs> Devil Masami, Jaguar Yakota, all these people. And Chigusa Nagayo is also a part of this list of returning wrestlers. And this is her official announcement. Uh, it's been known in the media before this August 24th Budokan show that uh, Chigusa Nagai will have a special announcement regarding her wrestling career in a uh, project she wants to start. So that, ha that had people uh, doing a lot of speculation on what she was going to announce. And... Uh, it was right up upon uh, the this show in particular that it kind of got leaked that uh, she will announce the formation of a gimmick promotion. Those were the specific words used in a number of articles I found. Even the Wrestling Observer called it a gimmick new promotion. And the official announcement was going to be the day after this Budokan show. So let's go to this announcement, because you got to say it real fast. Uh, you would think that, oh, it's just a publicity stunt or something. Uh, AJW just wants to use one of their biggest stars of all time uh, to hype up the Dome Show, be a part of it, etc., etc. Because uh, the Tokyo Dome Show, uh, Big Egg Wrestling Universe, is in all the news. And it's, it's really propped up a lot of the promotions and just pr uh, promoting women's wrestling as a whole as the biggest women's show of all time. Uh, it still holds that true to this day. Uh, but the real reason is Chigusa Nagayo is announcing the formation of a new wrestling promotion uh, uh, that will bring its own stable of new women's wrestlers and feud specifically with all Japan women and JWP uh, on their respective shows, so they're, they're already getting uh, her, a couple other wrestlers that are signed, and a bunch of trainees, and their idea of getting reps in is to have them in a feud uh, with AJW and JWP. Notably, LLPW, not on that list of names. So LLPW is by far and away the third promotion uh in the landscape um, before the formation of this Chigusa Nagayo project. Uh, the day after Budokan, she has this press conference, and a number of things happen. 
Uh, I will cover what happens with Kauru, Infernal Kauru specifically on the show here, but I guess it's it's kind of pertinent to this Chigusa Nagayo story is uh, Kauru Meda, whom had left AJW uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, namely she kind of wanted to party and date boys, and that that was uh, <laughs> the main two. Those were two of the three rules broken right there. So she went to CMLL. Uh, she's back. She unmasks on this Budokan show, uh, reveals herself to no one's surprise. And Shigusa Nagayo at this press conference says she has signed two wrestlers along with herself. And Kaurameda is one of those. And then they have a third whom whose name is literally not important. Uh, stays in the back, trains people, that kind of thing. Essentially, do not worry about it. It's irrelevant because uh, Kaoru's the one that sticks with this promotion and Shigusa Nagayo for years to come. Many, many years. So this <laughs> promotion, the name is Gaia. Gaia Japan. And what, what I found interesting on the announcements of this, the reason why... Uh, they a lot of the media outlets were call, calling it a gimmick promotion is because a it's not going to have a full-time touring schedule uh, they're they're advertising guy Japan as a uh, not even a produce show but it sure sounds like it by all the verbiage but uh it's it's since it's a non-touring promotion but it'll be regular enough where uh, each show is going to matter. So there's no house show circuit, if you will. It's going to be essentially a uh, one or two shows a month. They may even have breaks in between to hype up and do other things outside the ring uh, for advertising so they can train. And it, the idea is to make their matches bigger and more important because of the infrequency of their running. Uh, I found that interesting. Um, you know, if you're familiar with Gaia and how they operated, I guess that kind of makes a little sense. But um, the the presounding theory of why this was announced the way it was and how they're going to run is because they don't really have a stable roster and an experienced roster. So in order to get that idea up, this was kind of a feed the media a reasoning and then run with it as the real reason is they'll run a show every now and again surrounded by the star power of Chigusa Nagayo. That'll be enough for those. And that's enough reps for their own wrestlers that they're training. But the idea, the real idea is, okay, they're going to feud with AJW and JWP. They can just send those wrestlers over, essentially do the house show rep circuits, uh, utilizing those other promotions, which I get it. I get it. You have inexperienced wrestlers. Uh, it's not going to be the best drawing idea, but the more you make uh, your wrestlers in promotion feel special, and then on the other shows, they're, you know, they can get those reps in, then uh, there's some value in that. I think, I think the mentality is certainly correct there, and then as, they, as the wrestlers get better, then you can start doing more shows and your roster grows that's i i get the idea behind it it's it's not the worst it's not the worst theory out there so that's what we can look forward to with gaia japan and the fact that she waited the day after 
uh, to make the announcement was, well, she, you get on the Budokan show, it's, it's uh, arguably, at this point in time, AJW's biggest show of the year, outside of Big Egg, of course, uh, this August. I mean, this this end of summer, midsummer, kind of August twenty fourth ish show is always among their best and highest uh, attended shows of the year. You know, I always point back to uh, that huge card with um, the Jaguar Yakota and Linus Asuka match, uh, uh, Devil Masami, and or not Devil Masami. Um, oh yeah, no, it was uh, it was Nagayo and Devil Masami. In the semi-main, and then you had the uh, the Bull Nakano uh, dump tag match, and then there's of course the dump versus Chigusa uh, uh, d- like death match deal that they did. Um. Oh, but uh, as for what guy is gonna be, uh, there's the trend of FMW and whatnot, and in order to also bring something unique to the promotion, also why it was called a gimmick is. They're, they're going to do uh, more hardcore-esque elements to it, because there's Big Japan and FMW really uh, having the cult following, so they kind of want to replicate that aspect as well. Will it work? Well, a uh, little spoiler with Gaia. Essentially, upon their start of being a promotion, they move straight into the number three spot over LLPW. In that sense. And more research and, and more you can look into it is within a year, they're the number two, right? They're over JWP. And you know, if you know, you know, Chigusa Nagaya was really enough of that element uh, to make a promotion like that uh, compared to the competition. So the three matches... Uh, on this particular classics episode is the uh, eight-man tag opener involving Asari, Ritamata, Suzuki Minami, and Tomoko Watanabe taking on and defeating the JWP team of Command Bolshoi, Usayo Nochi, more on her in a second, Hikari Fukuoka, whom... Uh, is really rising the ranks of JWP right now. Uh, they're seemingly finally starting to push her over uh, people like Ozaki and Kansai. And then there's Hiromi Yagi, more or less another rookie for JWP. The match went 15 minutes, got three and a half stars rated by, uh, rated by in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. I can totally understand why you'd rate that. Uh, the main issue of this match was the element, the human of Fusayo... Nochi throughout this match. She is a stand-up comedian of sorts in a comedic duo group. And she was on the show uh, doing some sort of, can't even call it a gimmick, but some sort of challenge to become a wrestler. And it goes poorly. And the match goes as poorly as you can imagine when Fusayo gets in the ring here because everything she does is delayed, looks awkward, she can't bump properly. It's almost like she didn't have enough time to train. <laughs> and then in the ending stage of the match, where she's supposed to do various tags, stand in certain positions, she's just totally lost throughout this entire endeavor. Uh, 
while Suzuka Minami was in the ring, it was at its strongest. And the Minami-Fukuoka deal, I was kind of excited, but too often, especially on Suzuka Minami's side, is they just go to the mat and exchange holds like it's 1983. Uh, quite boring in that aspect. I thought it was kind of a waste when... You know, I've seen Suzuka Minami work fast. That's generally in straight tags. I've seen Hikari Fukuoka have excellent singles matches. I know they're capable of more, but... When they're up against each other, it seems to never go right, and it's very dull. Uh, Bolshoi, the commander herself, uh, she was probably the second most impressive person in this match. Uh, Asari, you know, she has her, her flips and tricks to her, but she she's still trying to figure out like what to do with them, because she's the first of her kind. There's never been a high-flying woman before her. <laughs> before her. The most you'd get was like Norio Tateno or Itsuki Yamazaki, doing drop kicks off the top rope the way they were. Or in uh, Titano's case, the big King Kong knee drop deal. So, Suzum Ganami ends up being uh, the winner of this. Uh, not much else to say here in this match other than what a disaster of timing Sayonochi uh, had involved. And it went on for 15 minutes. Uh, there's a little person's match for unknown God's reasons over why these constantly crop up on AJW shows. Uh, but it certainly would not be an AJW weird show, <laughs> big show, with some weird elements, and for some reason they love the shoot matches. In this case, it's a kickboxing shoot match. This is number two on the classics. It's Kumiko Meikawa taking on a kickboxing professional named Kyoko Kamikaze. Okay? They score this thing. First of all, it's boring as shit. It makes no sense. Kumiko Meikawa is not a professional at this, uh, while Kamikaze was, and they were just going half-assed. Well, Kumiko was going forward, but Kyoko clearly uh, not in the mood and being told this is a work. Do not actually try to knock her out. Just make it look like you're winning a little bit throughout most of the time. And I love the moment, <laughs> laughed wholeheartedly, that at the end of the match they they go to the like timekeepers table and they're sh and they they have the camera showing what the judges were scoring the rounds as it's 10 9 this 10 9 that 10 9 this 10 9 that and eventually kyoko wins but they made it real close <laughs> horrible stuff you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be ajw with having an excellent semi and main event, and then somehow also having one of your one of the worst women's matches of the year on the same card. That is true wrestling booking right there. You know? And then we get to our last match on the classics here. Uh, as you heard from the intro music, that is the Chigusa Nagayo theme she comes out to, Hearts on Fire. Uh, very much rocky element uh, there. Uh, we're going to climb up, uh, run up the steps in Philly, that kind of deal, to the statue. And Nagao's coming out in what looks like a boxing robe. So she's put on some mass and kind of in a good way because now she's this just brooding force. Okay. And where it gets interesting is it's Nagayo and Toshio Yamada against Saki Asagawa and Mariko Yoshida. Mariko, Mar this is Mariko Yoshida's return match. After busting her neck in like three places off a just a simple running the rope spot, 
so it's Yamada teaming up with her, quote, childhood hero, Chikusa Nagayo. Uh, it's always funny to hear that when she was probably a teenager when Nagayo was like just out of high school wrestling, that kind of thing. Because um, they're not far apart in age. Uh, I think it's only like three years. But, you know, I'm seeing... Nagayo used to be a giant when you see her today in today's uh, women's wrestling, Joshi wrestling landscape. You would think Nagayo is just a fucking king of kings giant towering over these people. And it's mostly because of her mass and her body width rather than her height. Because both Yamada and Hasegawa got a few inches on Chigusa Nagayo, but they're in significantly better shape, much skinnier. I mean, Saki Asagawa's got shoulders for days. And then you you see Nagayo, and she's in this, like, gi kind of nineteen late 1980s biker outfit if it was a wrest, you know, wrestling theme to it. And Nagayo's just mass. Her, her, her thickness is what makes her so brooding. And this match kind of ruled. It definitely kind of ruled. I love the interactions of kicking between Nagayo and Yamada going after uh, the... Now high-flying again, Mariko Yoshida. So if you remember in the last episode, when Yoshida was against Tamada, uh, they were just kind of exchanging holds, getting used to it. It was kind of like a Shibata match in 2023, where people are kind of staying away from the head this, not doing impact moves that. Well, Yoshida, I guess, got her reps in, got comfortable, because she's still she's back to her uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, space cadet gear that she's got, and she's ready to fly, and she was doing the running cross bodies, running off the ropes and crossbody the outside, the whole deal, while Saki Asagawa, she didn't really hit a lot of spin kicks in this, but she hit some Uranagi slams and whatnot. But the real story was Jigusa Nagao yet again. Huge crowd cheering for her, very exciting, and it was a lot of Chigusa just bulldozing both Hasegawa and Yoshida. Not a whole hell of a lot of selling, but when there was, she made it count. That's kind of what what that's going for. And uh, the winner was... Who did Nagayo? Did she choke out? I think she choked out Yoshida. Memory serves as you're writing this down. Uh, Nagayo made Hasegawa submit to the sleeper. Uh, Dave, Big Dave gave it three and three fourth stars. You know, I'm 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 about there as well. About like a two out of three recommendation. That like three and a half to four star range. Not may, maybe not quite four, but you get the idea. Uh, looks, there was a perfectly good Mariko Yoshida. She could have uh, made her pass out instead of Saki Asagawa, who, you know, she's been kind of in this weird state of. You can tell they want to push her, but their idea of push is her still just losing to bigger wrestlers like this. They're not ready to pull the trigger on Saki Asagawa. Uh, despite her uh, massive improvements in crowd connection, uh, I think it's definitely becoming a missed boat at this point in 94. So, uh, that's the match. Nagayo runs wild. The announcement of Gaia... Uh, what's going to happen coming out of this show? Uh, where are we going when uh, we get to more? So, uh, Gaia starts in 1995. Uh, might be worth checking out the first episode and uh, recording it on the uh, Patreon 
patreon.com slash redleaferretrocast, where you can also find uh, full reviews of every Stardom five-star show that's happening here in 2023. Did the same thing last year in 2022. Got a lot of good feedback doing it again. So that's where you could probably find that first episode of Gaia to review. Uh, we'll see how it does. Uh, we do the LOPW reviews already. Uh, so we also know about the political games that's leading up to the Tokyo Dome. Talked extensively over Kandori and LOPW. Kandori has LOPW booking power. I mean, and there there was immediate discussion of putting the title on Tateno or, you know, because Eagle Sawai wasn't hacking it. Uh, but they really, in reality, it's just they don't want Kandori... Uh, as in, she doesn't want to do a clean job on the Big Egg Show. And they aren't the only ones that are worried about that. FMW, the fucking grifter that is Onita, took the his FMW women's title off Combat Toyota to, I shit you not, Yuki Nabeno won that match, and she is horrid. She's horrid. And the idea is that they take the they, they simply just take the title off of Kudo and Ko Toyota. They're done with it until the big egg is over. Because he doesn't want them doing jobs on a big show. Because uh, they got a big eight-man tournament deal knockout thing going on. And the official participants uh, that are known at this particular time, if I have my facts straight, was Aja Kong. Akira Hokuto, representing CMLL specifically. There's your interesting tidbit there. And then whoever is the winner and runner-up of their uh, in the uh, Japan Grand Prix. So there's more information there, along with the representatives from other uh, companies. Namely, supposed to be their champions. Uh, however, LOPW don't play ball, FMW don't play ball, J JWP does a little bit, but they're kind of standoffish. Offish. Um, uh, but yeah, there was, uh, the other big thing coming out of the show was uh, AJW got so hung up on trying to sell as many tickets as possible instead of turning the most profits, so this 15,000 number... Uh, according to a couple sources I was able to cross-reference, is reports were saying that only 5,000 tickets were sold, and they wanted the extra 10,000, so they dropped the $200 entry fee uh, to get to somewhere around 50 bucks, uh, more or less, depending on what your what your sources were. So I found that interesting that in order to for AJW to actually like sell a shit ton of tickets uh, to a show that was involving Shigusa Nagai was them to significantly drop the price. Possibly sends the wrong message. We know the message in history where you make your product look cheap, you make it seem cheap, then people are actually not going to buy it just because it's cheaper. They're going to see it as inconsequential, not as good as whatever they're thinking of. And that that's kind of what ends up happening most of the time. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't play out the way uh, you would think it does. So the next episode will be part two of the Budokan show from 1994 here. 
And that will be highlighted by the unification match of the All-Pacific and IWA title. Yes, it's Manami Toyota versus Kyoko Winaway, 1994. Listen to that in the next episode. See you next time.